Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. To Weird West Radio on Rainman Digital, Rainman Digital's exclusive Western show where we get into all things Western related. And today, in the saloon with me is David Sabal. Hello, Dave. Hello, everybody. Okay, Dave. So today we're gonna do a bit of a Western TV film roundup type of episode where we will be discussing the upcoming Western-themed television shows and movies that are in current production or in the pipeline for release. And there's a lot. There is quite a bit, Dave. I know our last Weird West discussion was uh, actually posted in February, and we did a similar show. That should be good news for Western fans out there. The fact we can actually fill in two full hours of what is coming down the road for Westerns. And I'll tell you, Dave, we could probably do another three or four shows like this because there's just a lot of things that are being produced within the Western genre. I don't want to say we're, we're back where we were. You know, I don't feel like we'll ever be back to no. how the Western was in the, in the 1940s and the 1950s. I mean, it was a, the American genre. It was American film at its peak. We're never going to get to that point. But nowadays you're seeing a lot of filmmakers dive back into that genre. Yeah, we're getting a healthy amount of content. We're not yeah. getting too much, but we're getting enough to satisfy our Western cravings. Because if we go back even five years ago. We were hard up on getting anything. <laughs> it was impossible. It really was. You know, so that being said, Dave, now that we've set the, the table for today's discussion, I must talk about a film that is currently in theaters that you and I both saw. Yes. And we will do a formal review once it's released on Blu-ray or video on demand because I want to be able to rewatch it. Yes. And so that is the... 2023 historical action film written and directed by Jamari Lander. And it's titled Sisu. Yes. <laughs> and the trailer just took, went viral when it first started going around the, making around the, the airwaves around like in streaming services, people, once they saw that trailer, everyone kept wondering when the world is this movie about? What And that was the beautiful thing about when I first saw that trailer because I was like going, oh, it's okay. So it's going to be a European film that's coming over and everything else. And at first I was like, didn't give it much thought. 
then it started, you start actually seeing more and more of the trailer and everyone started pushing this movie and I just had to go see it after a while. Yeah. Well, I fell in love with the movie. <laughs> it's not overly deep. It's an action revenge film. Yes. With a bit of a heart there. I wouldn't say it's soulless. It isn't completely superficial. There is a soul to it. But the reason why we're even talking about this, because as I said, it's a historical action film that takes place during World War II. Well, this entire film is dressed as a spaghetti Western. It is. It is. From start to finish. It is a spaghetti Western. I mean, even the plot is a spaghetti Western plot. You have a guy that found gold and the baddies are after the gold. Then it turns into a, a revenge flick. I would say what? 60, 70% of spaghetti Westerns revolves around some type of treasure, treasure, particularly and, gold. And you have to throw in revenge and in revenge. Somewhere. Yeah. So that's why I bring this film up and I want to thank the listener. I, the name eludes me and I apologize that shared the trailer with me because this movie was not on my radar. A listener sent it to me and said, Hey, have you seen this? And when I push play, David, <laughs> I immediately went to my phone app and said, showtimes, let's see, are there any <laughs> local showtimes? And there was, and I went that fucking day. And dude, I, I absolutely feel that people who did not get a chance to see it on the big screen missed out. It's still playing, I think, for another two weeks. Yes. It's playing. If not, it should be in second run theaters soon if they have enough screens. Sometimes in this day and age, unfortunately, it's not how it was back in the day. Because don't get me the wrong. smaller theaters don't have room for these smaller films because they're filling those screens up with yeah. with those big budget temple, temple features. Features and yeah. but honestly, don't get me wrong. I can't wait for the Blu-ray because just like you you alluded to earlier. I want to rewatch this film. I want to analyze some of the scenes that they did in this movie. We're probably going to spend, it's probably going to be a two parter and because it's that type of movie to see it gloriously in Blu-ray would be, is going to be awesome. But seeing it on the big screen was just, it reminded me of like the old movies back in the day. You know, like we, we said, we, what Tarantino did where he said, Hey, remember when movies were fun? This was a fun movie just to sit down and watch. And you're like, like, okay, I'm not going to take this very seriously, but I'm having a hell of a time. And I love the fact that basically it is connected to the creators of John Wick. It's, it's just Lionsgate. Yeah. It's line. It, yeah, it, it's it through the same production house, production yeah. house. Yeah. Distributed. And a lot of people automatically say, Oh, it has to be like John Wick. I'm like, no, no, no. If you're going in this thinking it's John Wick, you're going to be very surprised. Is the action over intense and over the top? Yes, it is over the top like John Wick. But Sisu is just so brutal. It's spaghetti Western. It's spaghetti action. Western gritty action. Yeah. And I don't know. After I saw the movie, I was like, I don't think I can think of a movie the past two years that did, uh, did what Sisu did. I mean, can you actually think of like... Any movie that you compare Sisu to that you would say, oh, yeah, that they did the same thing what they did just just a couple of months ago. At the moment, no. I'm sure there, there were some. There was one movie that Clint and I reviewed 
I think it was called not good for nothing or no good for nothing. Uh-huh. That was a bit of a spaghetti Western throwback and it was brilliant. But something as visually intense as no. Sisu. And no, this is so vi- visceral, visceral. And, and near perfect. <laughs> yeah. And the good thing about this, Dave, is that we're probably going to get a sequel because it's sitting at a 94% on yes. Rotten Tomatoes, which for this type of movie is unheard of. Oh, but yeah. that goes to show you that it does have a soul and it's not nearly as superficial as some may think because it is a revenge flick. There's a lot of merit there, academically speaking, as well as cre- as well as creatively. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, this movie, the budget was about six point five million in U.S. dollars. Yes, and it's made eleven million. Technically, it should probably make another three or four for it to be in safe territory to get a sequel. And the creator, or I should say, or I should say the director, did hint in an interview that if the movie can make back its budget, that he is considering making a sequel. God, I hope he does. It needs to be a franchise. <laughs> it needs to be a franchise. We, we need this. I, I at least want to see a sequel because like, oh, you know what movie this reminds me of? You're never going to guess. Okay. It's in the same category. I'm talking style, intensity of action, the over the topness. The movie with Clive Owen and Paul Giamatti. Oh, shoot him up. That is what it's like. Now, shoot him up is a little more, it's modern, more contemporary, but shoot him up is dressed as a spaghetti Western. The ending is, is a homage to Django. Yes. When the character, the protagonist loses his hands and puts, <laughs> puts bullets in his, his hand hands. and then shoves his hand in a fire pit. Yes. And launches bullets at people through his hand. Through his hand. <laughs> Shoot him up. Probably comes closest to this movie. It's just over the top and spaghetti as hell. Yeah. So people out there, the reason why I'm even talking about this before we do a formal review is because I wanted to promote it. People need to go see this because we need more films like this. Yeah, see it before it leaves the theater. Yes. Now, next is Justify City Primeval. It's been officially given (laughs) a release date, and it will be dropping on us, I believe, July 13th. No, July 18th. And, and dude, I don't know if we talked about it, talked about the trailer that they released, but just leave it to, like, the the Justified production team to realize all you really need to do is just show so show Waylon with his hat yeah. that's it and it, and everyone lost all the fans like western fans lost their mind thought it was the coolest thing because Waylon's back with his hat Raylan 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good I, I will tell you that you know I've been a big fan of Timothy Oliphant for a very long time since Deadwood yeah Deadwood was a, was a great role from, I mean, Seth Bullock was just a, an iconic role and people will always remember him for that performance. But Raylan Givens, <laughs> that's, that's the character. He perfectly embodies the Clint Eastwood type. Oh yeah. In that, in that role. I mean, the squinty eye casualness that, that Clint Eastwood esque stare that he offers you know, his, his compatriots as well as his villains or yeah. his foes. It is such a, a good show. And he's so just perfect as that Western figure. 
So I am looking forward to this. We don't have a lot more news pertaining to what's happening in the show. They're being pretty careful about what they're saying. However, I, I did get a little disappointed when the, the showrunners had said that Raylan could die. I saw that too. I don't know if I, if I would like that. I, I just wish there's a stupid trend, you know, when people want to promote things. And I understand that when you're doing press junkets and you're on podcasts and radio shows and you're trying to promote your show, you just say shit. But that kind of bothers me. It does. Why would you give away that he could possibly die? A, that would be awful if he died. You bring him back in a show to just kill him off. That's, that's a little <laughs> silly. And B, why even potentially spoil something? And C, are you not confident in your story that you have to misdirect us if it is not going to happen? Exactly. That kind of, that kind of, that didn't sit well with me, that aspect. But that's the only thing so far that I've heard about City Primeval that has gotten under my skin or I uh, have not been overly certain because everything else seems pretty cool. I mean, this is also based on an Elmore Leonard book, so they're not just dreaming up a story. It will feel like it's sincere to Elmore Leonard's work in the Raylan Givens story because they are adapting a book. Yes. That Raylan Givens, the character was a part of. I so, think it's, I think if for people out there who are familiar with the books, I think it was fire in the hole. No, that was the, the book that actually started the series. I believe the name of the book is city primeval. I think so, man. It's been so long since I read those books. The only difference is, is that City Primeval doesn't actually include Raylan as the main character. He <laughs> is a character in it. He's a character in it. Yeah. So I don't really think that's a big deal because the show itself only used the short story Fire in the Hole as a stepping stone to get things started. And then there were bits and pieces of Raylan's story from books, various books kind of sparsely placed throughout the run of the series, but it was never a full adaptation. Yes. It was loose, very loose. It was, I, it was ideas more yeah. than anything. So that's another positive. Like I'm not looking at that as a negative. If they are using primeval and Raylan wasn't things. the main character in it. Cause it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter as long as it's the same writers, which it is from the original show. I have confidence that the show will be just fine. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just like just like what you said earlier. It's the fact that you it, it seems cheap to use the tactic. Oh, Raylan might die. Yeah, <laughs> just to spark you know intrigue. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Now Timothy Oliphant has said that he is open for Justified Cindy Primeval to continue past just this event status. So that there should also tell you that the showrunner saying that he might die or could die is. A bit of bullshit. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? In this day and age, I don't see why the show couldn't come back again. It's not like you're beholden to another season immediately. In this new era of television, you could bring a show back for eight episodes, go away for two or three years, come back with another eight, ten episode order and be just fine. Because we have now been acclimated to that type of environment as as viewers. Of TV. If this was like 10 years ago, we'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But now there are no rules anymore when it comes to how you release shows and how often you should do 
a season, for example. But then you look at other shows, they do the same thing. Star Trek Discovery, same thing. Same that thing. show has been on since 2017. It's now 2023 and we've had four seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're just in a different time. People are a little more patient because there's so much content. We're willing to wait for our favorite shows to return. The the, the tricky part is, is like, I hope if, if they choose to wait, don't wait too long because then the question becomes, can the, can you actually get the cast to return? Can you get like yeah. your, your Timmy, Timothy Oliphant to come back to, to do it or else he'll grow out of it. And oh, come on. He'll never grow out of it. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think Timothy Oliphant could ever outgrow that, that role. But you know, in this day and age, I, I have to, I'm going to say something really sad, Mike. I think that there comes a point when we we have to let the actors let go of their characters. Mm-hmm. And we're hey, seeing that very recently, especially in like in some movies like Indiana Jones. You know, I love Harrison Ford. You know, he's 80. <laughs> the only thing is the Western genre isn't guilty of that. Yes. We don't have Emilio Estevez coming back for Young Guns 3. But would you want to see Clint Eastwood come back? That's a little different. Clint Eastwood to play a Western role. He yes. hasn't done it since what? 1992, 94, whenever Unforgiven came out. Yeah. A true Western role. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's, I think that would be okay. It's not like he's doing it because he can't work. Oh, well, I better fall back into my old routine because nothing else I've done has worked. He has been hugely successful. Oh, he's been hugely successful since then. Yeah. So yeah, that's different, but you are right. You are touching on a valid point. We're in this weird it's not even postmodernism anymore. It's like post postmodernism or as Thomas Cowley put it a few <laughs> days ago when we were talking about this very thing, he's calling it neo mimetic metacinema. That's a new term. I love it. <laughs> I, love, I it. love it. I told him we're going to, I'm going to stamp it and I'm going to copyright it. and I'm going to steal it. It's a great piece of technical terminology because it, encapsulate what's happening right now. The reason why we even have postmodernism as we as we call it for film, obviously there are various definitions for postmodernism. I'm speaking specifically of the definition that pertains to cinema, which means we redo things. Yeah. It started with the movie Brats in the 1960s. Spielberg, Scorsese, George Lucas, Coppola borrowing things. They were fans of movies. They st- they were the first people to study and analyze film in college. And because of that, they had this deep love of what came before. So they utilized a lot of those inspirations. Then we had the video brats, Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino. They Tarantino, did the yeah. same thing, postmodernism, but they weren't ripping ideas. Same thing with the movie brats. What they were doing was taking the aesthetics the style stylizations and they used it to create their own movie that captured a bygone era, if you will. Yes. What we're seeing now over the last 10 years is not an homage. It's no longer postmodernism. It's mimetic. You're mimicking, mimicking what we saw without any real innovation behind it. Oh yeah. You're just copying it. And then you're speaking to the audience. Saying, hey, you guys remember this? And that's the meta cinema aspect. So you have the mimetic aspect, and then you have the breaking the fourth wall, making sure audiences know that, hey, you remember this callback? We we do this all the time. We do this all the time now. You know, it's it's the same thing with the the latest 
trailer for Strange New World season two, where they they focus on what captains say now when they want to go to warp. That's never been a thing until four years ago. Four years ago. <laughs> where they're now saying every captain has a thing and they draw attention to it as if that is a thing in their world. It's a thing to us, which means they're speaking to us. Yes. It's mimetic metacinema. It absolutely is. So going back to what you, what your point was with Timothy Oliphant, I feel like as long as they're not copying themselves and speaking to the audience and they're falling into those pitfalls, I, I do think a show like Justified can come back as long as there's a genuine new direction for each season. Yeah, it just can't Does that be, make sense? Oh, no, absolutely, because the story just can't be rehashed time and time again. See, that was my problem with the Deadwood movie. Because it was the, it was the it same was thing. It was basically the season finale, yeah. just redone. It, it was, was just, literally the season finale. Well, I don't want to call Deadwood didn't really have a season finale, but it was basically the exact same final episode of Deadwood. The show then got canceled or it just came to an end whatever there's a bunch of controversy behind what actually happened but it came to an end abruptly and the movie gave us closure but it also redid things from that final episode and that final season yes that's why i wasn't really on board with the movie it wasn't horrible but i was like okay well we've already kind of seen this and this was basically the general direction that most of us took away that their storylines would be going down. Mm -hmm. And you were hoping at least when it came to Deadwood, they would have given us a almost kind of like a standalone story in the end with their movie. Give us an epilogue that stands alone that we don't, you're not rehashing. Correct. You're not rehashing the final episode. Yeah. We already saw the final episode. Yeah, and that's kind of what they gave us. Yes. And as long as Justified doesn't fall into that territory, retelling stories, then I'm fine. For example, they are going to be continuing certain things. We know that Raylan had a daughter. Yes. The daughter will be a major part of the show. So continuing that would be great. We also know that Raylan has a lot of feelings about his parents that, uh, or his father. His father. He doesn't have good feelings about his father. How is that going to play into his own fatherhood with his daughter? Those will be interesting aspects. So obviously we got to have those little moments of consistency. That's not postmodernism. That's not mimetic metacinema. That's just continuity at that point. That's continuity. Correct. All right, David. So the next Western that we can all look forward to is another Nicolas Cage Western. <laughs> now he had one that came out earlier this year. Yes. Called the old way. I want to say I have not had the opportunity to watch it yet, but there's another one called Butcher's Crossing. Oh, you know what? It has had its world premiere at Toronto International Film Festival in September. That's so just it. a few months ago, but it has not found a distributor yet. Not yet. Now that is kind of par for the course when it comes to the festival circuit. Not all films are lucky enough to pick up that distributor right away, but this is the movie that has Nicolas Cage in it. As a Western. In a Western. It makes you wonder how it hasn't been officially picked up. Now, it does say that it was announced that Saban Films acquired U.S. distribution rights to the film with uh, Altitude distri distributing internationally, but it still hasn't been released here. No. That's the thing. Is kind of like... Which is a little concerning. It does have a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So it seems like the people at the festival seem to have liked the movie for the most part. And that's the thing, especially 
not a lot of people know about this. The only re I've only heard about this movie about maybe I think it was three weeks ago because same, I saw same thing. Yeah, I saw the 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 trailer and I mean there was like going time out freeze frame. That's Nicolas Cage and he's in a western. Um, yeah, I have to add this to my list. How do I do this? And unfortunately, the only reason why I saw it was because I saw it from the trailer. From I'm assuming it was from the Toronto the film festival circuit. There, the, uh, the uh, in Toronto. Yeah, and I was like going. Uh, God, I hope it gets distribution because normally when some movies go out this way and everything else, you don't see it make the light of day in distribution here in the States. Normally you would see it like at maybe a release in Europe <laughs> yeah. or, or, or across the seas somewhere. So the fingers crossed. I have really high hopes for it because I'm sorry. When I watched the trailer, I was actually pretty impressed. And let's face it, Nicholas Cage has had a resurgence now in in what he uh, a couple of the projects he's done, and he's done some really good projects the last like five to ten years now. His acting has never been a problem. Yeah, it's his roles he chooses. It's the roles he chooses, but the last couple times, the the last couple of years, when he chooses a role. They've been pretty good. They've been pretty good and they've been yeah. really out there. And that's what the thing that, that I'm really excited about. Not only is it going to be a Western with Nicolas Cage, but I'm expecting a very f out there, strange type of Western, a weird West maybe. Because like you have to actually get Nicolas Cage involved in your project if you're Film itself has to have the nuttiest premise. I mean, we can't, we can't, we're coming off of a Nicolas Cage film just recently with Renfield. And that was one of his best performances in a long time. But as Dracula, but the dude, movie it, itself is silly, but it's his silly and it's out there. His portrayal uh, of as Dracula is fucking on point. Oh, oh, it is on point. And that's the thing. Can you imagine that type of acting that he's going to bring to a Western now? Yeah. Okay. So the synopsis for this movie in the 1870s, a young Harvard dropout seeks his destiny out west by tying his fate to a team of buffalo hunters led by a, named, a man named Miller. Together, they embark on a harrowing journey, risking okay. life and sanity. For a second, I was like, Greg, is the, uh, is the Harvard graduate Nicholas Cage? Come on, no one's going to believe that. No one's going to believe that. Was he like a 70-year-old uh, a graduate? Graduate. Like, he's not 70, but... <laughs> This movie did have a release just last month. It was released April 27th of this year in the Netherlands. That's the only place it's been released. Yes. And then the, basically it made its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 9th. I'm actually more curious about this one than I was about the old way. This one seems to be a more unique premise. The old way was a revenge flick, which I'm fine with those, but we've also seen them and I'm sure we've seen better versions. Yeah. This one seems interesting. The fact that we have a Buffalo hunter and a Harvard graduate, that's an interesting dynamic there. And uh, I'm sure basically just out of that, out of that premise right there, we could expect something really special from Nicolas Cage. Old way seemed like it was going to be that type of movie that Nicolas Cage can just phone it in where it's like, okay, it's just, we're going to go totally action. It's going to be 
utter revenge and bloody, make it Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and in those projects, because there's also been some projects lately that Nicolas Cage has done and phoned it in. But, <laughs> but I saw some pig movie that was actually really good. Oh, the pig movie was really good. I but forgot like, what it was. was it called pig? Um, I believe so. I believe it was. It was about. I actually the, highly recommend that movie. It was really good. And then, like, but there has been others where it's like he, uh, there was a sci-fi one I watched just recently where he plays this martial arts sci-fi. Uh, yeah, come on, Nicholas Cage, you're not alien. a martial arts expert. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, see, that's what Old Way could have been. <laughs> that's funny. What do you know about Scorsese's Western Killer? Killers of the Flower Oh my Moon. god, dude. I saw the trailer for that just recently. Yeah. And I got really excited. At first, I wasn't really looking forward to it just because a director like Scorsese, that just because it's not really in his wheelhouse. The guy is an amazing director, but he's never tried his hand at a Western. And I'm not sure why he never has, unless he doesn't feel adequate enough to do so. So it leads me to think, okay, well, maybe this movie won't be that great. However, it just had its premiere. It's debut at Cannes. Yes. And apparently it is the talk of the town. Oh, it's yeah. the movie that everyone's talking about. They're saying it's utterly fantastic at every level, has a huge cast, has Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, Brendan Fraser, and John Lithgow. And dude, just out of that. That's an amazing of, cast. That's an amazing cast. But also, this is just my own opinion. I think Scorsese's going into this film with a bit of a chip on his shoulder because if you listen if you listen to a, a couple of his uh interviews last time when he talks about filmmaking today yeah he's not very kind to actually the new filmmakers he's a bit pessimistic and he's cynical. pessimistic and yeah. cynical yeah so I, do you blame I, him i don't blame him yeah but that's why i'm excited for this because you know for a fact he's been saying these remarks about filmmaking the last couple of years so many critics and so many filmmakers are going to be staring at that film and basically saying, okay, let's see what you can do. Scorsese's going to go into it saying, okay, watch this. <laughs> when you're a director like Martin Scorsese, you've already made your bones. Decades ago, you've proven your worth. You are an auteur. You have nothing left to prove. However, because, and I also say that he has every right to say what he wants about the current state of film. Yeah. First off, he's not wrong when he talks about the current era of films and this superhero obsession. I understand, under, I understand, and I'm a less cynical about it. And because probably because I do enjoy good superhero films. There's a lot of people who just don't want to hear directors like him ever talking about the current state of cinema because they feel like he's attacking things they love. Yeah. And that hasn't gone over well with a lot of audiences. Same thing with James Cameron. The only person that seems to get away with it a bit is Tarantino. It's Tarantino. Which is weird to me because he, <laughs> he literally said movies suck right now. He said there has been no other time in cinema history besides the fifties and the eighties. And now there's three times he pinpointed that movies utterly suck. And I would agree with it. The 50s is known as a very poor time for movies. For it was movies. a transitional period. It was also at the height of McCarthyism and the Red Scare, which the blacklist, I mean, it was, it was just, there was nothing there that, that people were able to do. They were all afraid. 
People were forced to do a lot of traditional type pieces. There wasn't a room for creativity. The 80s was also an era of the slasher film regurgitated, yes. which there were some great ones there. And there were great movies made in the 80s. But overall, if you look at the snapshot of the 80 filmography, it isn't great. No, it isn't fantastic. And well, you can also say the same thing about today's time period. Until yeah. recently, I'd say the last year, we were in a rut. We weren't good getting good films. Good films weren't being made. Good films weren't being put in theaters. And all we were really left with was the superhero genre. Now things are changing. The appetite is growing. And uh, people are looking for different types of content. So Tarantino is correct, but people didn't shit on him. When he said that for some reason, but if James Cameron says it or Scorsese, or Scorsese oh, fuck you. <laughs> How dare you say this? You know, but I, I just don't have a problem with it. I know there's a lot of fans that mock them saying they're old. They're out of touch. But I say this. Do we make fun of an artist when he wants his picture in a museum under a certain type of light? Yes. That the same thing point. can be said about James Cameron when he says that his movie was made to be seen on the big screen, not a seven inch mobile device. Yes. Same thing. Mark Scorsese says the exact same thing. There are artists, they are, that want their pictures to be seen the way it was intended. And, it, and especially when you take a look at Killers of the Flower Moon. With the cast that he assembled and and some of the cinematography shots they chose it just in the trailer, I get this heavy, heavy feeling that this is Scorsese saying this is what film should be. And when people go see this, they're going to see this is how films were done. Not like if you were to actually look at like compare this to say a film done today say say like a superhero film i honestly think scorsese is trying to actually you know stamp his flag so to speak in in cinema in cinema today saying compare my this movie to what your guys are regurgitating time and time again and i'm really excited because that's probably why he chose the western genre because it's not a very very popular genre right now you know not many filmmakers are gravitating to it. Where are they gravitating towards? Superhero movies. Western and superhero movies are almost like polar opposites of each other. Yeah. So you mentioned a few moments ago. Why does Scorsese choose to do this? Right. I believe that's what you, the question yeah. you posed and you felt like it was him possibly trying to prove himself. Trying to know, prove do, himself. Yeah. There's also, you got to realize that. And I believe most people are aware of this. Scorsese isn't the type of director to just take on a project unless it means something to him and he can say something. Yes. And this seems to be a very relevant picture to him as well as current times. You know, this is a movie that's about the serial murders of members of the oil wealthy Asajj nation. Yes. I hope I said that Native American name correct. I don't know if I did, uh, but apparently it takes place in 1920s Oklahoma. And so it deals with real world things it's based on a true story and that seems more or less up scorsese's alley he likes those types of pictures now dave this did 
register quite high on Rotten Tomatoes. It's sitting at a 97%, 96%. For right now. For right now. For right now. It, it may go up. It may drop. Right now, these reviews are solely based on the audience that attended Cannes. Yes. Because this has not been released yet. Now, it is set to debut in select theaters on October 6th, and then it will go wide in the United States on October 20th of this year by Paramount Pictures. Well, dude, there's a lot of people just early reports from Cannes are actually saying this is an early contender for, uh, for award, Oscars for Oscars next mm. year. I and believe it. I would be really excited to actually see a Martin Scorsese film actually and a, and a Western be nominated for Oscar. Yeah, that would be it, it's been a while. You have to say that. <laughs> well, he's going to have some competition because there's another Western coming out called The Strange Way of Life. And it's a uh, queer Western. That's, oh, okay. I know the one you're talking and about. And that with one's Pedro also Pascal. probably going to be nominated just because of the content. Yes. It's starring Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal. Yes. And the movie is about two gay cowboys. Yes. The synopsis is after 25 years, Silva rides a horse across the desert to visit his friend, Sheriff Jake. They celebrate the meeting, but the next morning, Jake tells him that the reason for his trip is not to go down the memory lane of their friendship. That's it. <laughs> I would add, but to go down on, on his this, friend. On his friend. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm sorry, if you've seen some of the pictures and some of the trailer or, or shots mm -hmm. from from Strange Way of Life, yeah, you could kind of tell that basically there's more to this relationship than friends. <laughs> yeah. Now it did release at Cannes and it's only sitting at 71%. And that's a Cannes score. So yeah, I don't know score. if this is going to go over well. Now, also, it's a short film, so I, I don't think most people even be interested in seeing this. General audiences don't tend to enjoy short films. Its running time is set at 31 minutes. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I was a little disappointed because even though I'm not, I'm not overly excited to see Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal fuck each other. But it's come just, on, it's Ethan Hawke. Listen, I'm not homophobic. <laughs> I'm just a straight dude that doesn't like to see gay sex. I mean, that's normal, right? If I'm a straight man, right? Yeah. I mean, David, you're it's another story. I mean, you might be interested <laughs> in seeing something like that. And I would be. Yeah. <laughs> it's Ethan Hawke, man. Yeah, of course I would be. Oh, of a talent sexual. <laughs> talent sexual. Yeah, Pedro Pascal is just the flavor of the month, though. I, I think he's extremely overrated, in my opinion. I know I'm probably going to get uh, the people are going to shoot me. By our Star Wars fans. How dare you? How dare you, sir? He's, he's an angel. He's an angel. You can't attack Pedro Pascal. I think he's extremely overrated, man. He's the flavor of the month, dude. Well, dude, I'm sorry. As soon I, as basically. I don't think he's that good. I don't understand how everyone loves him right now. He's. I had told people when he came out and said, he's only the voice of the Mandalorian. <laughs> he's not even in the Mandalorian. How dare you, Pedro Pascal, by saying you're just the voice. You're all of them. <laughs> all of them. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's extremely talented. He is. He's yeah. a very good actor. But I think his this odd fame that he has right now is slightly unwarranted. I don't think he's as good as everyone's making him out to be. Now, Ethan Hawke. 
he's way better than Pedro Pascal. That oh, yeah. guy's range is insane. Oh yeah, his range is uh, is completely blows everybody away. And that's why I'm like interested just from a cinema point of view to actually see Pedro Pascal go against Ethan Hawke because I'm I'm with you. I have nothing against Pedro Pascal. I think he he's a yeah. good dude and everything. But when you look at his his filmography, it's not very it's not very wide. There's not much range. Outside <laughs> of Wonder Woman 1984, has he played anything other than the kind of the roles, the quiet, subtle performance, does he has he done anything outside of that? Not, not really. Because look at the two big roles that he had just in recent times: Mandalorian and Last of Us. Both are the same character. <laughs> and if you look at Game of Thrones, same where he character. got famous, he's a little more humorous. Maybe, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not cynical. Hey, he's 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 a bit he's, more arrogant. He, there we go. He comes off as arrogant, but it's still the subtle, subtle performance. Yeah, 1984. He was crazy. He was out there, and I did. I feel like that's even though I didn't like that movie necessarily. I feel like he that was one of his greatest performances because he did something completely different. Yeah, but even like even like one or more or 1984. That's not, that's only one thing out of his whole correct. Uh, Filmography. I mean, even with the uh, one of my favorite ones that he did recently with Nicolas Cage was the unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I heard that he was good in that, too. But he was he basically was playing himself. Yeah. So that's not much range. Uh, Yeah. But then you put him against Ethan Hawke. I mean, come on. Well, listen, let's uh, I am curious to see the movie for that. I would like to see if he does something a little different. I want to see Ethan Hawke's, uh, you know, seduce him. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So it seems like the yellow. Stone Empire is falling apart a bit. Currently, Yellowstone is coming to an end. Oh, yeah. And we talked about this during our last discussion, I Mm -hmm. believe, Dave about the egos getting in the way and it's understandable, right? You're dealing with uh, a gentleman like Taylor Sheridan, who's literally on top of the world right now. Oh yeah. He is like the biggest swinging dick in TV currently. And then you have Kevin Costner (laughs) who has rekindled his fame because of Yellowstone. Yeah. He was kind of MIA. He hasn't really been, I now don't get me wrong. I'm not talking shit about Kevin Costner. I love Kevin Costner. I think he's great. He, he is like, I put him in the same category as say a Keanu Reeves type. He has, he has found the roles that work for him. And if he does those roles, he is exceptional in those roles. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in like the, some of his lower ranking films, like one thing that comes to mind is White Earp. Do you remember Mr. Brooks? Mr. Brooks. Yeah. I think that's one of his best performances. And yeah, but it's not one of his, not one of the, say the film itself, not one of the best films, but it's okay. But it's okay. Him that sells him that sells it. Yeah. So that being said, apparently they couldn't get their egos in line. That's the rumor on the streets coming from a lot of sources. And they just decided to end the fucking show. (laughs) I know. I know. I, I saw that. I even saw like the uh, statement by uh, Taylor Sheridan about how he about like Kevin Costner's commitment to the show. And I was like, like, 
God dang it. Why can't these two just get along? We kind of knew this was going to happen because Kevin Costner was very adamant about producing his own Western. Yeah. He wanted to do his own Western. Yeah, And I don't know how I feel about that. A little, a bit of me as a fan, I'm a bit miffed because the only people that suffer is us. Yeah. Now we're losing a show we like. Yeah, sure. We have the spinoffs that are happening and they're fine. And I guess it was announced that they will branch this show off. They're going to end this show, but they're going to branch it into a spinoff that will continue the contemporary storyline, but it'll be under a different concept led by different actors. But when I say different actors, the same actors so far will be a part of it, but obviously there'll be a, a dynamic change there. Yeah. In minus, terms of, minus Kevin Costner. Correct. <laughs> which I would just say, will then kill him off. That's what I was thinking. Your show. That's what I was thinking. I was like going, why can't we just kill Kevin Costner's character? I love off? his character in the show. But as I said, during our last discussion, they have been leading down this path that Kevin Costner's character won't be there forever. Yeah. And every season that they're, they're on like season five or five. Yeah. They're on season five right now. And every single from season one to four, I was in there thinking yeah. that Kevin Costner's character was going to die in the end. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think the show would. Obviously there's Kevin Costner fans that would be miffed, but also knowing how the show has written has been written. The show doesn't rely on Kevin Costner. No, I would even say 30% of it relies on him. The At show point, is evenly distributed across all of its leads and it's, you know, story a story B story C. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Kevin Costner's character was important. Absolutely. But like, because they kept him around for so long, it gave time for the other characters to kind of grow and yeah. mature with that character. You know, like, like that character was already at the top of his peak. All the other characters have finally caught up. I think they finally caught up by season three. And I was like going, okay, season four, I was expecting his character to be written off. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I was like, going, okay. It's now to the point what that character is kind of like, what more does he have to do? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to do it much more. All right. So the unnamed Yellowstone sequel, along with, the news that Yellowstone will end after season five Paramount also announced an as yet unnamed sequel, which is set to premiere in December following the November debut of Yellowstone's final episodes. So it looks like that unnamed Yellowstone sequel will pick up probably right after the events of the final season. So it, for all intents and purposes, this is Yellowstone. This is going to be Yellowstone season six, season six. So I'm wondering if there's a contractual reason why they can't. Perhaps Kevin Costner's stipulation was maybe there was a contractual thing saying the show can't continue without him. Maybe I, I, I find that hard to believe. So hard However, to believe. Taylor Sheridan didn't have the clout that he has now. So having Costner put a contract aspect in that or an addendum, I would buy that. Although this is sheer conjecture. I'm not, I don't have any information I mean, the question, that. the question becomes how much does Costner own the rights, the creative rights of Yellowstone? I don't think he owns anything creatively. Because in that case, yeah, I'm with you. I'm like going, if, if he doesn't own anything, he shouldn't have 
as much clout at this point as Sheridan. Sheridan's done a fantastic job at this point, and I think he deserves a kind of like that that clout where he can basically say, okay, he doesn't want to be here anymore. I can just write him out. But I think the more we talk about it, Mike, I think would you be surprised finding out if Kevin Costner put something in his contract? I mean, actors do that all the time today. He was the huge catch that Sheridan got for a show. The reason why the show was a success from the beginning was because of Kevin Costner. The reason why people tuned in was because of Kevin Costner. That's not to be debated. I mean, that's the reason why the reason why the show grew to being the the behemoth it was is because of the writing. You can have Kevin Costner on a show all day long, but if the writing isn't good, nor the direction, then the show wouldn't last. So it got started. I think credit should be given where credit is due. Kevin Costner brought the star power. He brought the heat. Taylor Sheridan maintained it and grew it. And then now, now look at the spinoff. I mean, the spinoff arguably has bigger stars than Kevin Costner. Yeah. I mean, you have Harrison Ford and uh, Helen Mirren. Yeah, that's a huge get right there. Those are bigger names. And you have Tim McGraw and Faith Hill, Sam Elliott in the other one. And then there's another one called 666, pronounced four sixes, and it will take place in modern day contemporaneously to Yellowstone. This is different than the other one that's con- that's going to be premiering in December. <laughs> so many Yellowstone. Then there's off. another one that's been, these are all official by the way. Then there's another one unnamed Matthew McConaughey spinoff. This was, was announced recently. The details are still slim, but in March, 2023 Paramount media networks had Chris McCarthy confirmed that Matthew McConaughey will join the Yellowstone universe in a new spinoff. Do you think uh, the thing I'm worried about this, Mike, with all the Yellowstone spinoffs that are being tossed around, it is sounding like they're turning Yellowstone into NCIS. It kind of is. They get, need to be careful. So far, they have to the be quality careful. hasn't dipped. And when you look at the casting choices, definitely the quality has not dipped because you're getting, we're, we're, we still have Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren in 1923. You're getting Sam Elliott, which is a, for me, that's a big get. Samuel, it's a big get for a Western. And then you have uh, the one you just mentioned, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I hope I uh, keep saying his name wrong, (laughs) but that is a big get just to get for a series too. So interestingly though. Okay. So get this. There's another (laughs) spinoff. So wait, that makes like four. That is not a Yellowstone spinoff per se, but it's in the world of Yellowstone. So it's not going to be dealing with, with things connected to the Dutton family, but there's a show called 1883. I believe they've recently retitled it. So it may change and not be a part of the universe, but it's called 1883, the Bass Reeves story, <laughs> which we all Wait, know who Bass really? Reeves was. Yes. Yeah. So that could be interesting, but now what they're turning the series into, it's going to change the title from what I last read. I don't have it in front of me currently the article, but I remember reading last week that they're changing the title. So it's not exclusive to Bass Reeves and it's going to become an anthology series dealing with a different lead person every season. Huh? Okay. So we have that in the works too, which does look pretty damn fucking interesting. I mean, I've been waiting for a legit Bass Reeves story for a very long time. (laughs) And I guarantee you Taylor Sheridan will fucking deliver. 
Oh, I think so. I think he could pull it off very easily. I mean, this is a, that uh, that character in itself. I think has gotten so many fans behind it. I think that series is going to be fine. Donald Sutherland has joined the cast of that series too. So, dude, Taylor Sheridan isn't playing around with the guests with with the with the the stars, man. Holy shit, he's He's getting some good names. He's getting some really good names. Classic actors, you know. Not, I'm not saying that basically TV actors are a bad thing, but let's face it, the actors he's getting for Yellowstone are all film related. I mean, come on, Helen Mirren, Harrison Ford, Matthew McConaughey. Then you get you Sam Elliott, and you get also uh, McConaughey, the one that you just mentioned, just a Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Yeah. Okay. So the name of the series is it has been renamed. As I said, it was 1883, the Bass Reeves story. Now <laughs> it is called Lawman Bass Reeves. Oh come on! And the Lawman part will maintain every season, and then the name will change as to who they focus on. Oh, that's going to be freaking cool. Yeah. So it's a legendary lawman, Bass Reeves, yes. who may have been the inspiration for the Lone Ranger, they the say, Ranger. although that's been disproved, I believe, for quite some time now. With a little change, the limited series is now said to be an anthology series and future seasons would explore other legendary lawmen. Oh, dude. Can you imagine just pulling out of, out of my brain the, the legendary lawmen that they can possibly do? Taylor Sheridan is also another man. And we said this during our last discussion as well, that has helped bring Westerns to a, to new heights within the mainstream consciousness, within the mainstream consciousness. Yes. In a really big way, because these shows aren't the typical streamer shows. These shows are bringing in record breaking numbers, especially the flagship, the flagship show. All right, David, this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember, find us on iTunes, Spotify, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Weird West Radio. We do need people to focus on iTunes. That is our preferred feed. We need those ratings and reviews. We have a lot of listeners, and yet the ratings and the reviews don't reflect. So please don't be lazy. Take the time out. Give us those ratings. We need it, especially the rating. The review is perfect, but if you just give us the rating on iTunes, if you go over there and, and select a couple stars, well, not a couple. I hope you, cl- you select four, but we need those ratings. With the more ratings we get, the more opportunities we have as a show to do more content as well as be invited to different places uh, and whatnot. So thank you, David. Thank you. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. <clears throat> you can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> <laughs>